Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor-in-chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor-at-large. Ann, you are back from your vacation just in time for our first opportunity to dig into these Oscar nominations. First off, most important question before we get into the craziness of all these different surprises here, how was your time off? I did some swimming, some hiking, some outdoor dining. Uh, it was fun. Wow. I, I, I even did. Uh, I even did an indoor dining escapade uh, at somebody's house. Um, so I'm in the league of vaxxed people playing, uh, playing out. You know, uh, my fantasies of, of making an appointment for a massage. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> Slowly crawling back you? to some semblance of normalcy. Everything you finally, is fine here. You're you're a you're a scholar, right? Don't you get to didn't you get an NYU uh, sanctioned vax? Educators qualify in New York State, so so yes, and and I am very happy to be part of a, a growing community of people that we both know who seem to be within the CDC's realm of of safe to gather in small groups. So uh, I hope that happens. Have soon you done it? More. Have you done not, it yet? Not, a, not yet, no. But but I do think that it's going to be fascinating to see how these things manifest because we know when we talked about the the Oscar ceremony being at least for now just a, a an LA kind of a thing with uh, just the nominees present, probably not a lot of other people. It's going to be a while before we start to see and a presenters lot of that. and nominees dates. And it's going to be yeah. out. You know, Eric, you're the one who said from the very beginning that they should emulate the uh, inauguration party and yep. with all those exteriors. And that's what they're doing at Union Station. That's the point of Union Station is to be outdoors. Yeah, I think it makes for sense a lot of the musical numbers and stuff like that. It makes sense to think about what a potential Oscar producer would have been looking at these last few months, especially a savvy one like Soderbergh who's thinking about both craft and storytelling as this one sort of unique package. And uh, in this particular case, the limitations end up being the opportunity, right? What can you do in a more dynamic space once you go outside or whatever? So I am very curious to see how they how that plays out. But it should be fascinating. No matter what another. he does, I know. I'm excited but because I, I think he has a great deal of ingenuity and and chops as a director. So I'm excited to see what he comes up with, but at the same, and people who like him may be willing to show up and, and be part of the event. And also I hope that they're gonna be wanting to support the, the, the movie going arts around the world as theaters are opening and, and we're sort of limping back into, into existence. I mean, the whole question, I mean, Tom Brueggemann took, took a, the MPA, um, report, the annual report this year. I mean, we would have been going to CinemaCon, you know, we would have been talking to the head of the MPA and everything. And who misses the, that uh, really? Of, I mean, come of on. The, I love that stuff. You know me. I, I love, I love John Fithian, you know, but in, in but Vegas, the, but, <laughs> in Vegas, but, but the, uh, but the idea, the idea is that um, uh, the studios figured out ways to survive. It's the theaters that got killed, you know? And that's yeah. who we need to root for now, uh, as, oh, yeah. as myopic as they may be. The big chains are I foolish, wonder, but I, mean, I think they, I worry that they just exist in this alternate reality where they think that this flood of, 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 of cinephiles is gonna come back. 
and and bring them back to to life. I, no, I but uh, you, there's going to be uh, it's going to be small pockets of success stories and a lot of failures, and you'll see indie art houses innovating in, in ways that are not quantifiable for any kind of larger business model. And then you're going to see things like the China box office suggesting potential for big tent poles. And there's going to be all kinds of conversations about that. And I do wonder how the Oscars will wade into that as a ceremony, because for some people, probably the boom in VOD and streaming over the past year has actually been a good thing. I mean, for a nomad land, which seems to still be the best picture front runner going on Hulu, at the time that it did was probably in its it had favorite. to but i still need i still need to see that i mean even though i saw it at a drive-in to begin with that's one of the few films i did see outdoors on a big screen but i would like to see that in a real theater for sure i really would right um right well it's a such a gorgeous movie yeah but so let's, but, let's talk right, about so, the best so picture nominations yeah the, the yeah. i would say so, the biggest surprise here it seems on paper from a from just when you look at the list of films that were nominated for best picture, we knew Nomadland was going in strong. The trial had Netflix behind it with the promising young woman got in there, and Minari is also very strong. So this is a pretty we predicted all field. of those, but it's we but it is surprising just to see them. So there. the question I mean, was, how many nominations would there be? Would there be more than eight, which there weren't? And and so two of the ones I had sort of hoped would sneak in if there if they had if there had been a ten a ten would have been Soul which did not didn't even get a writing nom so I was a little disappointed about that um, and One Night in Miami and uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom I thought both of those would be nominated and they were obviously at the bottom of the list whereas the father got in, which was a big surprise for Sony Pictures Classics. They were pretty happy about that. But the logic Judas, out was I expected to get in. I, mean, I didn't was... think the Five Bloods would get in. Yeah, but, there, were, uh, there were signs I, for all of that. And News I of mean, the World was always an iffy, uh, iffy one uh, to get yeah, in. Yeah, News of the World was the one you thought might surprise with a bunch of nominations, but could also have just sort of not gotten there and it didn't really get there. The Father is, is fascinating because it has that screenplay nomination. The logic holds. It's just not a movie. Editing it's been around a long and time. and production so. design. That, that's what it got, too. Yeah, it, it's in some strong categories. So it, it's going to be fascinating to see how this conversation evolves. But really, what we're looking at is Nomadland versus Trial, unless I'm missing something, because there are some no, whispers about it. No, it isn't films. versus Trial. Okay, talk me Guess through that. Gonna Guess what's going to happen? Guess what's going to happen? There's SAG right? SAG is coming up. And I looked at SAG and I looked at how trial is falling down because it didn't get director. That's a thing. That's a thing that it didn't get director. And I'm looking at trial and it's all white, basically, except for Martin II um, in a major role. Uh, it's, it's basically, um, uh, SAG has been going for uh, Parasite, it did very, very strong, uh, strongly for Minari. It, it put in Stephen Yun. He put they put him on the map, and 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 also Yun Yajung. So you have you have um, a show of strength there for Minari. I uh, I think it's possible, and I could be crazy, but I remember they did hidden figures at uh, at SAG, which was a big surprise at the time. Uh, it could be Minari. It could be Trial of the Chicago 7. 
but I think it's a three-way. Okay, three-way. So, so here's here there are a couple of things that come up here. Trial not having best director, obvious problem with assuming that it has a lot of strength. But the precedent that people set there is Argo, the crowd pleaser that didn't get best director nomination for a popular guy who directed it. But still, okay. Won best so he was a movie star. Ben Affleck was a movie star who played it for sympathy instead of being the owning it. I'm Ben Affleck. He was I'm Ben Affleck. Yeah, and Sorkin and he doesn't do that. that. Sorkin is a writer. He's a writer, and everyone reveres him as a writer, and he will win original screenplay. But he is not considered to be a director on the level of a David Fincher or. Uh, perhaps Chloe Zhao, and he even in his in his interviews. If you looked at those director roundtables, Sorkin was always sort of going, "Oh, I really leaned a lot on my DP, and I really leaned a lot on my editor." And you know, he's playing it humble in a way that's genuine. He doesn't own being a director the way other directors do. He's a writer director, and okay, he's an me... auteur, and he's <laughs> learning. But he's not a cinematic a, guy. A learning auteur, an auteur in training. Yeah. yeah, he write. He writes. He's getting better more than each time. I love the movie. I love Chicago Seven. I, but also, I'm mixed on it, as you know. Um, I would say that that is a, that is a very fair argument to distinguish between uh, Sorkin and the Affleck situation. And Affleck, of course has directed quite a few movies and has shown a real style and, and vision he's a real director. as a filmmaker. So I, the, the, here's the other they thing. Called, Here, me... You would never call Sorkin a shooter. Okay? A right. shooter no, is someone uh, who makes cinema. Puts the words know? down. That's Xiao. She's a shooter. Fincher is a shooter. Vinterberg is a shooter. And, and, and so is Lee Isaac Chung, a shooter. These are cinematic people. Yeah, they and think in Sorkin terms of the art form overall. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I and think he, that's fair. And his team came so, through for him. He had a great movie. Okay. Let's say let's say we've knocked that one down for now. Here's something else I've been kicking around. And my my favorite of all these movies is, is Nomadland. Minari maybe number two. But let's not back off from Chicago yet because the reason it might win SAG for real uh, is that uh, it has such go. an extraordinary ensemble cast. Everybody, and it, it, so it looks and I'm sounds denying, like an ensemble. I'm denying your Argo comparison completely. But it's but, so um, good with. As far, it's, it's Chicago is still a strong contender. Let me let me throw another one out there. If I say, okay, Nomadland is the best of these. I think oh, wait, I have, another, I have another oh, my gosh. against Chicago. We keep you off for, yep. for a week and you start interrupting me all over again. I know. No, I go, go. Chicago is also um, losing momentum. Momentum is part of everything. And so well, the you have to clarify have what that is. Momentum, what does that momentum mean? Momentum is that you keep winning things and that you keep coming back in the Guild nominations and you, you keep moving forward because your movie just, or else you just opened. You know, Judas just opened, and and the father just opened, and they have more momentum. And so, the, the, the so a lot of these Netflix movies, they opened a, a while ago. They've been around. Okay. They're old let news. Me throw, let me, Go ahead. Let me throw another thing out at you because we also can never forget that there's still a huge white older male con, uh, contingency in the academy. That's true. That's not. The that's not all. Could go it. for that. So, they're, they're, so let's say that, that that contingency is still in that camp, and then we ask ourselves. 
what are the films that arouse the most passion in the best picture category? Well, it's unquestionably Nomadland and unquestionably Minari. Both of these are sort of understated, character-focused dramas. And you maybe have one person who's in one camp and one person who's in another camp. Does that result in a situation, could it, where they siphon off votes and then kind of cancel each other out and Chicago rises up as a result? I was going to suggest to you also that Minari, even though it is a quote unquote family drama and a small scale one, uh, an indie from Sundance, you know, that's doing surprisingly well. So let's ask the question, why? You know, what is it about Minari that's making it so powerful and, and sustaining so well? I mean, A24 did a great job with bringing it back in different ways at different times, and, and it opened relatively late, but in a good way, in a smart way. And they had different platforms that worked for them. But it's still a male-dominated movie. In the, it, it, it has both. It, Stephen Yun, the farmer, the dad, carrying the burdens of the world on his shoulders. Men relate to that. And he's a movie star, too in a way that we didn't mm -hmm. maybe realize after Walking Dead, that he could be, that he had such a huge- well, burning following. helped, burning definitely. That was a small art house- the Academy uh, members loved it. Incredible I mean. thing. That was super important that he did that. But, yeah. but in terms of recognizing his, his clout as a star with a following, that's Minari. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, he's the biggest thing about it. But you hear, I mean, I remember there was that Don Cheadle gave it a shout out on the Golden Globes. And I was thinking about those sort of, the, the, the actor's branch just adores the guy. And that's a considerable branch. So that really works in its favor, too. So it'll be fascinating to see what happens. I mean, Minari would be A24's kind of big return to a you know, ingenious after Oscar Moonlight. campaign after Moonlight. So, and it's been five years. So, uh, or it's four years, four years since that win, five years since the movie came out. Uh, it was, it's about time, I'm sure. So why don't we talk about another thing that's fascinating with these results, which is another round, a movie that was supposed to be in Cannes when Cannes was supposed to happen. It was part of that selection launched last fall was a fun kind of, I wouldn't say discovery, but nobody really knew what, you know, if the movie was going to be great or not out of TIFF and, and the other fall festivals months before it premiered and we didn't know until it got that festival boost and we saw the movie it was pretty clear that this movie would be would have a strong uh foreign language opportunity but nobody bought it and i think we've talked about this before that that would have been goldwyn another year got somebody, it yeah. goldwyn got it and the other Eventually, distributors yeah. were were lukewarm and didn't Reticent. want to take a chance in a pandemic year on there being no theatrical market, which is why Sony Pictures Classics isn't in the international race for the first time in recent memory. I can yeah. say that, yeah. you know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think anybody called that Best Director nomination, which was a, a really lot of fun people surprise. predicted it. And if you looked at my predictions, it was included in the um, contenders category for it. I mean, it wasn't the front runner by any means. Yeah, but I mean, I, that's what I mean. Uh, it there was, was, it was a surprise. He it certainly seems the European, It swept the European Film Awards. So it was a, and the international side of the Academy has become very important. And the director's branch of the Academy always puts um, international people in there from Mike Lee to Mike, Michael Haneke to Al Almodovar. 
you know, Pavlikovsky. Absolutely. They, they do that, so that for our own. But, and, but it is yeah. cool. I mean, I have to tell you, the movie dropped on Hulu like maybe a week or so ago, which obviously magnifies its visibility in the way that Nomadland has been magnified. And it, it couldn't have been better for it because I do think that that director nomination is what really now puts that people, movie on more people's radars. I, obviously, it's not going to win Best Director. That would be a, quite the upset. But just having him in there is, is pretty amazing for a movie that in, in a lot of cases could have been just relegated to international. But when you look at the international category, it's really hard to picture any other movie winning that category. I mean, it's that's just I thought the Quo Vadis had a really good shot at it. Quo Vadis Aida, it would have been in the category of something like Son of Saul, you know, a movie that was so intensely felt and, and such an extraordinary portrayal of horrible things happening in history, a massacre that occurred uh, in the 90s in, in Srebrenica. But it, it actually looks hard to beat another round at this point. It does. It, it, it would be a tough, tough thing to pull off. And partly because everybody's seen another round. Uh, you know, it's a it's a popular movie. And I mean, the same question comes up in the doc category, you know, with my octopus teacher, which I argued so strenuously that the documentary branch would never nominate such a popular movie that had this manipulative um, uh, narration. And I don't know. You, yeah, you said that when themselves. it was... I have to tell you, though, I, I was not super convinced when you said that after the movie was shortlisted, because being on that shortlist, anything can get nominated. Once you're on that shortlist, anything can get nominated. No, I mean, that's, no it's, it's still the branch. It's still the branch, Eric. It's still the branch. And there's here's how it happened. There was, was a preferential there. ballot, a preferential ballot in the documentary branch. And that's where my octopus teacher this is a theory uh that our uh that our, our friend of ours has has advanced that makes a lot of sense um which is that basically uh the one that got into the first position uh was my octopus teacher which meant that there were an overwhelming number of ballots with that at number one and the ones the ballots that were then after that that were where they read the number twos were those people, the mainstream voters, the ones who liked my octopus teacher, which also has a pandemic aspect to it, which is that it was heartwarming and cozy and it made people yeah, feel good. It was yeah. an escape, just, you know. But it's just and a then silly, the I mean, next that, one that fulfilled the same function, if you look at it, might have been mole agent. Mole agent, oh, mole agent I also have to cuddly. Is, uh, maybe it's a also a really strong piece of filmmaking when you look at it, right? I you mean, could imagine the people who voted for Octopus Teacher voting also for Mole Agent. And so lower down were all the votes for Time and Crip Camp, the American movies. By the way, there are a lot of international voters in docs. Well, that's that's a good point. I mean, there were a few people who were saying the they were surprised Boys Day didn't get in, which had Apple behind it. But it was sort of like so there was American. a slot for maybe, but the, the slot for maybe one considerable conventional documentary that has considerable resources behind it. Crip Camp became that movie, so Crip Camp has that. But then again, two Netflix docs. It shows you how strong Crip Camp actually is. Uh, but the th here's the thing about my octopus teacher: it was barely reviewed. It was not in any festivals. I looked it up on Metacritic. It is. It has. It has like no reviews. No, it came out of nowhere. Two. 
you know, and and it was a huge, huge hit. And it had word of mouth. This is old fashioned buzz. So everybody heard that somebody like you got to see, you got to see, you got to see. And they all watched it. And many people adore it. But it's not the kind they knew. Netflix knew it was not the kind of movie that critics would like. It has nothing to do with critics. No, it has nothing to do with critics, but I, I, I haven't talked to a lot of doc folk about it, but the thing is that there is, it's a fascinating story in theory. There's something innately frustrating about a movie, about the way it restricts its point of view to, to one person in a way. It just feels kind it's, of disingenuous. It's very manipulative. And, yeah, it's, I just, yeah. I mean, to me, it's just unfortunate. You should because review it now. Movies. I mean, I feel like my my sentiment is coming through pretty clearly here. I don't know who it was, and it's probably somebody who's listening to this podcast. I got a text from a number that was not in my contact book with an octopus emoji on the morning of the of the nominations, which I assume is from somebody who is working on on this movie, and uh, and hopefully not like a filmmaker or somebody like that. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think there there was a, a machinery going on behind the scenes. It wasn't just like it, it came out of nowhere. I think that there was something going on here all along where people knew that there was a real shot this could happen. Uh, I don't think it's going to win the category, uh, but I'm curious to see what does. It's certainly... Once you're in there, anything can happen. So let's look at international, though, because the other thing that's significant is, yes, another round is this front runner, but a lot of the stuff, you had a, a, a pretty strong list that was sort of breaking down the possibilities, and you had Quo Vitis up there as number one, so that's in. But then I don't think a lot of people expected that Tunisian film in there. There was word of mouth that there were people in the academy who liked the Tunisian film, and other people didn't did hear that. I I have to say sometimes seeing I saw all fifteen <laughs> movies, and in the dirty work. my my taste doesn't jive with with there. I mean, I I made a point of saying that every single movie was was good, and they all were. But I would I did not think that Better Days or the man who sold his skin were going to be in the list. I didn't. I really didn't. The other ones well, that I thought would be one. were, yeah. And then, and then, of course, Collective was the thing everyone saw coming. Collective getting both a year after Honeyland, which I thought was really cool. I guess Collective might be strongest in Doc, which would be a different from difference from Honeyland last year, where it just lost both categories. But at least the, the movie that gets that. I'm afraid that could happen to Collective again. I don't know what to do with Collective. It has the international side. It has the 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 way that it plays. Um, you know, it it is a health system expose uh, that plays differently during the pandemic than it might have otherwise. And so it's it's an and it's a cha it's a championing of journalism and and the role that journalism plays in the uh, political process to call, you know, calling the, the government to, to account. But um, I don't know if it's the kind of Mormon cuddly uh, movie that Mole Camp, uh, Mole Camp, listen to me, Crip Camp, Mole it's Agent, movie, you know. and, and, uh, and, and Octopus Teacher are, you know? So in the, I, it, it, the whole no, academy. No, it's not cuddly. It's, it's not cuddly, it's the opposite of cuddly. But but the thing is, it is so it is such a remarkable piece of filmmaking too. So it's really just about people who watch that movie are just enthralled by it. But you do have to really make that effort. 
And if they make that effort, I think it becomes a very strong contender just because it really gets under people's skin. It is so effective. And uh, it's not a pandemic movie so much as it's a movie that coming out of 2020 in a presidential election puts things in context. Not everybody has it as good as we do. But here. it's a, it is a pandemic movie because it's about the way that health systems don't. That's true. This is corruption there. inside. Yeah. So that's that's the beneficial. Puts people at risk and makes them and kills them. You know, and yeah. in, and in fact, in Romania during the pandemic, after this movie came out, the health system fell down uh, in terms of handling COVID. You know, the same people yeah. that were mismanaging the health system then, before continued to mismanage it during COVID. I think that's a very relevant pandemic point. All right. So now we're, we're talking uh, ourselves into the situation where Collective ends up being a very strong contender because of its relevance, even if it's not the cuddly movie that Octopus Teacher or Molagen is or, or whatever. So. It's an interesting question because if if, if all five if, if everybody sees all five movies, that's only a, a fraction of the academy. It's not everybody. So who watches all five documentaries is who get, who gets to vote. They better watch them all. I do. I did enjoy talking to people this past year about from different branches, from Vinterberg to pe- members of the PR branch who made that effort because you had to watch all the international films to vote, and that. That's a fascinating thing is that people who are just sort of like, oh, I had so much fun watching all these different films from different parts of the world. I was like, welcome to my life, man. Like, I've been doing this all year and you just you have the luxury of, of 15 of them. Uh, and this is what we wind up with. So it's fascinating to see that this is how it went, because some of these op- some of the end results are some of the films in the end result are more populist than others. And it's probably because of, of, of that because people, all these people watch these movies and this is what you get when that happens. So we should talk also about um, what happens next with China, uh, the films that are related to China, because Chloe Zhao obviously has been dealing with this pushback, which is terrible. But there's also a short film that's nominated that uh, obviously is critical of China in certain ways. And now China doesn't want to broadcast, telling local broadcasters not to air the Oscars, not to cover the Oscars. And I wonder how that conversation is going to evolve in the next few weeks. Does it, I mean, certainly for the short film, it, it may elevate it. In certain it gives ways. it a profile. So, it gives it a, a positive. I have, I still have to catch up with all of, I've seen some of them, but I have to catch up with a lot of the shorts, including, including that one. Um, and then, uh, it's really horrible because uh, Zhao is being held to account for a a, a, a a thing that was misquoted by someone where she said she was a United States citizen or, or she was not an American or whatever the line was, yeah. you know, she, she, and then the other thing goes back to like 2016 or something. It's, it's really old that they dug up. Um, so it's, it's just, it's just a terrible thing. I, it's only going to help her as far as the, Oscars here are concerned, but the idea that they would actually try to put the lid on people watching the Oscars in China is just horrible. Just, um, yeah, just terrible. I, can't, I can't imagine how that's going to play out. Yeah, so we'll see what. And they haven't there. they haven't completely nailed down how her movie is going to be released in in China. I thought it right. had been given the go ahead, but there it hasn't been banned. But it's yeah, right. exactly, and it, it's it's a shame that. I mean, you see how meticulous this government is. People who get paranoid about 
international surveillance and so forth, you realize how those things are actually steeped in, in, in reality when you look at a situation like this. I mean, she had done an interview with Filmmaker Magazine as part of its 25 New Faces of Film, uh, of, uh, film feature in 2013, eight years ago, that was dug up and used against her. I mean, who knows what any of us might have said eight years ago, especially those who speak in public at these you know early stages of your career. And that, that is, is such a, a fascinating conundrum because who else are they going to go after, especially as we live in this global village, we will see more international filmmakers rising up. So that's that's a fascinating conundrum to uh, to sort through right now. And before we wrap, we should also talk about on, on the subject of short films, what the hell happened to poor Pedro Almodovar, who made this really fun human voice movie during the pandemic with Tilda. You know, if, it's interesting. I just assumed that that would just be, oh, automatic, front runner, auteur, gorgeous, incredible production values, incredible actress, obviously, Tilda Swinton, and lots of great rave reviews. But if you think about it, the people on the short animation branch tend to go for movies that tug at the heartstrings, uh, that get that get you worked up or upset or sympathetic or or teary-eyed, um, you know, about people who are really dealing with tough things like disabilities or or uh, or the or you know death or 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 the Holocaust or aging, uh, and that tends to be the sort of thing that ends up in that live action category yeah. a lot of the time. It's just a bummer with Pedro got robbed last year of, of his Oscar, but you know, Parasite was obviously going to sweep. So for him to come back one year later with everything that's happened with this short film, it's his first time in English. I mean, it almost felt like it was a first film from a, a filmmaker with an established style because of the English Con, you know, and the, the way it was structured, this chamber piece and stuff. So it's, it's too bad because I just thought it would, but, I, but again, uh, this is an opportunity to dig deeper and I look forward to looking through these short films and that's a blind spot for me. So there's more to come on that front. I'm sure we'll, we'll dig deeper. Let's, uh, let's look at what's coming up ne next because we've got WGA this weekend. How do you think that's going to change things? What will that tell us? I think because I think it we will. Think we know I think it, it will tell us that the original will go with Sorkin, and if it doesn't, then we have to really address why not. Um, and then I, I think what's going to happen to Trial of the Chicago Seven across the board is that it's going to win that. It's going to keep winning screenplay. Um, and then the other um, the other uh, possibility in the adapted category. Um, remember, Nomadland and the father are not eligible for that. Um, and I believe that Lee Isaac Chung is also ineligible. So we'll see who, you know, which one ends up taking that. Um, that'll be, uh, you know, it'll show some strength, but it'll be misleading. <laughs> oh, gosh. Really That's hedging all. your bets there. <laughs> I can't believe we've gone this entire time and we haven't talked about Borat. I feel like I'm doing it a disservice by not bringing it up. Obviously, supporting actress is an interesting open question. Whether Maria Bakalova it's going to be the Minari grandmother. It'll be you. Everybody loves her. She seems to be making the most noise, but there could be. I mean, Maria was was more of a talked about sort of thing a couple months ago, and sometimes was it's supporting a big deal that, that she happen. got nominated. Yeah. it's really cool. I, that she, I mean, that she see. ended up getting in. 
I mean, I'm, then, I'm curious to see if Borat actually wins anything, which I somehow doubt. It seems that it, tough. That it it seems tough, but that would be the category where it would more than anything else. Is I mean, it didn't it didn't get into Best Picture, although there was a cer certainly an impressive campaign to to make that even in, within the realm of possibility. So we'll see how things go from here. And I can't believe we we've, we've spent upwards of a half an hour batting things around and no discussion of the Snyder Cut, not even once. Have Not for me. It? I did. I will tell you that I watched the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier last night okay. and well, enjoyed something. myself. And and uh, I enjoyed it too. Marvel I Marvel world I'm into. I have to say the DC side of the equation has been disappointing. Uh, I mean, I enjoyed the first Wonder Woman and I enjoyed Pedro Pascal in the second Wonder Woman, but um, I don't think that um, they've gotten it really right yet you know in recent years so um this is not, not this is not breaking news i mean that the, i'm not it, gonna as get a, caught up in a, that as an as an event thing a, a piece of cinema of sorts that was sort of torn apart fell apart then was sort of exhumed in this unique four-hour work it's it's a fascinating thing to behold anybody who did see the the joss whedon version of, of justice league to see this is to see a totally different movie that is better. It's still kind of humorless and it drags like crazy. You really, for four hours, I've, I've sat through bigger endurance tests than a four hour superhero movie. I've seen a lot of Frederick Wiseman movies and, and they can be transcended. This one doesn't justify that kind of heft, but, but there's something there. So for the millions of people who will watch it, they'll probably get, they're going to inflate this thing like crazy and would probably be better off I thought watching they did. Nomadland, but. One of the nice things about, uh, one of the cool things about um, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was that Carrie Scoglin directed it, who did um, a lot of really great episodes uh, of The Handmaid's Tale. So she's um, a really good director. And, and I, I, I think Sebastian Stan and, and, and Anthony Mackie are great actors. And, and I really enjoyed it. I, I had a great time. So it's I'm looking forward start. to it's continuing with, with that. It just takes up where the last one left off it's it's sort of interesting actually and what a nice distraction um, from all this oscar talk too so there's that the other the other surprise on oscar morning by the way was daniel kaluuya having a competitor in the supporting actor category from his own movie lakeith stanfield had been um had been lobbying on the best leading actor side of the thing and not supporting so it's a real shock and then oh, if you yeah. look at it both of them are lead actors in that movie there's no way that they're both supporting they're they're really when you look at them together as, no that is a baffling situation you know it's a baffling because I mean, it is lakeith's story it's the story of this guy who who uh betrayed uh fred hampton so so it, i think it'll still be kaluuya in the end but that was one of the bigger shockers of the whole day yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's one of those things where when you think you have it all figured out, there's still some aspects of this process that can just do their own thing and follow their own weird science. And this was definitely a weird science kind of a thing. So, all right, and enjoy the WGAs. I'll see you next week.